0: Welcome to the Sports On Point podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Smith, joined on the
1: line, as always,
0: by the phenom, Mr. Bob Williams.
1: I'm not feeling too phenomenal. We have a lockout in NFL, and we're about to go with the lockout in basketball. What are we going to be talking about all summer? Baseball. Planking
0: oh. is what we're going to be talking about all summer. And, of course, the guy pressing the buttons, Mr. Pod Severns.
2: Welcome, guys. We've got a great week in sports to review. So let's get to getting. The Sports on Point Weekly Rewind, a week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. Reviewing this week in sports starting with Thursday, we're on our test of Los Angeles Lakers wants to change name. To meta world peace, Matt. <laughs>
0: <laughs> meta world peace. Only, only Ron Artest could come up with that name. I, I say that, but you know, obviously we've got Chad Ochocinco. We've got uh, back, back into your '70s Cavaliers gear. You've got World Be Free doing the name change thing. Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit strange. Um, I think uh, when Ron Artest thanked his psychiatrist after winning the NBA championship a couple years back. He might have spoken a little too soon.
1: No way, man. He's getting into his, uh, uh, you know, inner sensitive sports athlete guy uh, mantra. Uh, if this would have happened, I don't know, before the whole uh, Palace incident, it, it would be interesting to see what type of uh, Ron, uh, legacy Ron Artest might have uh, in the NBA, this is nothing more than a, almost a sideshow like a, a, a Chad o- Ocho Cinco. He's Chad Johnson.
0: Maybe, maybe if enough people change their name to World Peace, then we'll actually have it. On
2: Friday, Scotty Pippen sets the record straight that Michael Jordan is the greatest player in NBA history.
1: Bob. So, what he said about LeBron being the best player m- makes no sense now? I. I understand he's uh, willfully backtracking his comments, especially since uh, LeBron and the, the Heat were not the anointed champions that they thought they were, but come on, Pippen. You played next to Jordan. This guy was the decade of basketball in the 90s. I, I, there, there was some fallout there. I, I, I'm assuming Jordan might have said something to him. He shouldn't have said the LeBron thing to begin with. You can give props with a player without saying he's better than Michael Jordan.
0: Um, yeah, this whole, this whole Michael Jordan propaganda machine is, is, is incredible. It, it never ceases to amaze me how as soon as anybody wants to make a comparison about any player, it's always the comparison point of Michael Jordan. And, you know, I understand comparing it to the best that ever lived. I get it. I understand why you would want to do it. But when you're teammates with the guy, when you were teammates with the guy for six championships— you never, never wants should have come out of his mouth. And I, and I, and I think Scottie Pippen, um, you know, he said he laid low a little bit, ignored the media coverage, and didn't really feel the backlash from people after he made the comments originally. I'm not buying that at
2: all. On Saturday, Mexico beats the U.S. to win the Gold Cup. Matt?
0: Uh, yeah, Mexico knocking off the U.S. in what I think a lot of arrogant Americans would consider a massive upset, but uh, I think that would be underestimating what Mexico has been able to do even in years past against us. It's it's never been a guaranteed win against Mexico, and it never will be. Uh, the interesting thing I thought about this matchup was the return of the prodigal son Freddie Adu had to assist in the game. Uh, Bob Bradley, coach for the U.S. Uh, soccer team. Um, has seemed to have landed himself on some thin ice, although he did himself some favors by making it to the final but didn't help himself out by losing in it. And uh, lastly, the most interesting thing I thought about this game was, ratings-wise, the Gold Cup final, U.S. losing to Mexico, got better television ratings than Game 7 of the NHL Stanley Cup final. So take that to everybody who mocked me for saying that I enjoyed the World Cup more than I enjoyed hockey.
1: Well, you got to think about this, that uh, two are about to be the number two population in America. Hispanics and Hispanics love their soccer. Uh, You know, it's funny because they played this game out in Pasadena, and the stadium itself was probably 70-30 or 80-20, and people who actually supported uh, Mexico. So, like you were saying, it really wasn't that big of a uh, upset, uh, especially with Mexico, by far has the best player in uh, Chicharito, and they have a better offense than than uh, the U.S. The U.S. wasn't helped with an early uh, injury to right back Steve Chirondolo. Put some some of their young guys in there. Bob Bradley in himself has kind of been on the hot seat for a while. It, they're expected to get the finals. They didn't do well in the group play, but they kind of stumbled on there. Uh, them and Mexico are the top of CONCACAF. So, it, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. He did some good things. Freddie do? by far the best player in that match for the United States game and that's that's crazy to think with all the other players on the team.
2: CONCACAF. 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 God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> on Sunday, reports say Winnipeg Jets to set off massive NHL realignment for 2012-2013 season.
1: Uh, it makes sense, especially since uh, Winnipeg would be in a conference with uh Carolina, Tampa Bay, Florida. Uh, definitely. Uh, I think Washington, maybe even, so it, it doesn't match geographically uh, and, and it would make sense to kind of realign stuff. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they play into old uh, alignments or if they come up with something new and crazy. Uh, and it, this is something that you kind of want to take a peek at because with the whole uh, major league baseball al- alignment thing that they're talking about, maybe, maybe, uh, some of the brass there will look look at what's happening in the nhl to to kind of get an idea of how to do it or not to do it
0: i'm going to be real honest with you i think that realigning the conferences in the nhl realigning the divisions in the nhl is a fantastic idea um, look, the, the, the NHL goes with the standard model that the NBA was using for years where they have three divisions under two conferences, obviously the NBA now with four divisions, but um, three divisions and, and they have an Eastern and Western conference. But when you're talking about a Western conference that features teams like Detroit, Nashville and Columbus, Ohio. I think that realignment is something that's been coming for a long time i don't think that there is enough hockey in the western u.s for them to have a western conference versus an eastern conference i hope when they do this realignment that they align it in some way more similar to what baseball is doing where we have separate leagues and the leagues can be anywhere Um, I, i i like that model a lot better i think it works better for the nhl
2: on monday serena williams out in straight sets at wimbledon
0: yeah, Serena Williams out in straight sets, and just a few hours afterwards, her sister Venus Williams also eliminated in straight sets. I think uh, I think we we talked a little bit about it before with uh, in regards to Roger Federer and how he may be kind of tailing off towards the end of his career. One of the most dominant to ever, most dominant tennis players to ever play, and I think we're seeing a similar fate uh, with the Williams sisters here. I mean, it seems like. It's been forever since they've been their dominant selves that they used to be, where we were seeing them matching up head-to-head in finals on a yearly basis. Um, we're, we're not quite there anymore, and you're talking about the number seven and number 23 players in the world. I, I, I don't think that five years ago we ever would have saw that coming. <laughs>
1: No, not really. Uh, it is sort of the end of an era. Uh, as much as some people know of Maria Sharapova, uh, during their time, her time with the Williams sisters. The Williams sisters have always been, you know, the the one of them has always usually gone further than her, um, and you know she seems to be the kind of the hot story in Wimbledon uh, with, with her play. Uh, so. It it, it is a changing regard. You're seeing it not only in tennis, like you said, with Federer, but you're starting to see it a little bit more in golf as well. Uh, You know, Sergio, Mickelson, Tiger Woods, uh, you know, it's good to see uh, the cycle change.
2: On Tuesday at Swish 41, Wurzburg is going nuts. Hail to the champ on TwitPic.
1: Bob? Yeah, what this is is actually a picture of uh, Dirk Nowitzki in Wurzburg, Germany uh he's he's standing up on on this balcony in this plaza and all you see is a gaggle of people so for me it's kind of reminiscent of you know how you see the pope on tv or in movies how he just has this plaza out in front of him that's what it looks like in this picture
0: yeah, I'm 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 glad you mentioned the Pope analogy because with this picture taking place in Germany, all the analogies that I kept coming up with had to do with World War II. So, uh, thank you for <laughs> providing me. Thank you for uh, providing me with a better analogy for that. But uh, Dirk. So, um, I I have to just I have to just throw this out there because. You know, this is this is uh, this is a headline that is actually not a headline at all. It's a picture on Twitpic, and uh, we're throwing it on here because you folks out there in Twitterland can't seem to share anything this week that has to do with sports except for pictures. Come on, people, read an article every now and then.
2: On Wednesday, Orlando basketball stars engage in planking war. Matt, what's a planking war? Well, apparently,
0: uh, Gilbert Arenas posted a couple of pictures on Twitter of himself planking, which if you don't know what that is, then just go Google it. Uh, Dwight Howard, of course, not to be outdone, started posting his own pictures, and oh boy. Um, When I saw this, and when I saw the pictures, and I read the article, I couldn't help but remember. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this 1998 NBA had a lockout back then of course we're looking at a lockout again to me this planking thing is like the 2011 version of the one tall men advertisement with Tim Duncan and Grant Hill from 98 um, if you if you don't recall that one look it up on YouTube it's uh, it's it's classic Americana.
1: Yeah, it's actually going to be very interesting to see what some of these athletes do. Uh, whether they, you know, do the Chad Ocho Cinco uh, route and try different sports. Uh, I think Steve Nash might be able to play some soccer, even though I've heard he's not as good as his brother. But this, this, <laughs> I, this is going to be an interesting summer. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, right now, currently, the football, uh, they are in a talk of. I think, four continuous days where it's straight delegation and trying to, to solve the problem and end the lockout. The NBA here in uh, uh, probably less than 36 hours, uh, when we're taping this, is about to go into a lockout. And who knows when this is going to be because of how much of a difference the, the players and the, the owners are talking about. So... Planking might be the new thing this summer to do.
2: And that's been This Week in Sports. Now to our To the Point section. This is the point where we, to the point, talk about stuff. Let's go. <laughs> take luck. <laughs> take All luck. Right. Take it. If you have luck, take it. care for it. <laughs>
1: And that's our show. I, Thank you. I, 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 I can't follow that up. Try the veal. Okay,
0: you know what, though? You know what, though? If we, were, if we were to end the show right now, then I think we would take an equal amount of value from our to-the-point section this week from what we took out of our uh, NBA draft previews last week. One thing, I, one thing I'll definitely say about uh, lockouts is, for some reason, lockouts to me just increase the excitement level of drafts. Uh, I, I, I thought the NFL draft this year was was kind of was kind of overdone, a little bit uh, overhyped, a little bit too broadly, widely obsessed about. And I, I kind of felt the same way about the NBA draft this year. Although I found myself buying into it, I, I actually watched the entire thing, which um, I probably haven't done that since ever.
1: Yeah, you picked a really bad time to do it, too, man. Uh, The fact that there was no real clear-cut consensus on who was going where and there was a really good reason why because not too many people ended up where we thought they were going to or the position that they were going to end up. So I know I I, I lasted until the the Cavs made their uh, second-round pick-slash-trade, and then I finally... Kind of started paying attention to the internet when when they were releasing the information because I found the pic, or I found the uh, the picks the selections on Twitter before they went up to the uh,
0: the stage. You found them on Twitter before they went on stage.
1: Yes, uh, I was actually following on realgm dot uh, com and they had a lot of the uh, major like Chad Ford, Rick Buecher uh tweeting and the the pics popped up there before they it popped up on the screen. Uh one is of that, the big is
0: that is that satellite delay or is that uh insider information?
1: I think insider information and it wasn't really wrong. So uh I think we that's talked about it or did we talk about it last week? Maybe not. No, we couldn't have. Uh but that that's one of the things that uh David Stern was was uh talking about how they needed to t- you know, not stricken, but uh, strengthen the confidentiality of the picks so they don't get leaked before.
0: <laughs> that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Well, obviously, we didn't have any leaks. Uh, I think uh, I think if I recall correctly, uh, I hit two out of ten. Um, those two, of course, being uh, Kyrie Irving and Derek Williams with the number one and number two picks, and it was all downhill from there. Uh, I think you fared a little bit better than me, Bob. You had one and two correct. You also correctly predicted Jim or Fredette going to Sacramento, although you said it with the seventh pick, which would have made sense considering that was where Sacramento was picking. Um but no, it happened in the tenth pick. Um Yeah, so we, we kinda we kinda screwed the pooch, but I, I, I think more importantly, what uh when you look over the draft board, first of all, what did you think of the Cavs draft. What did you think about the players they were picking?
1: Um, the biggest thing is we got Kyrie Irving, which I saw as the clear cut, which a lot of analysts saw as the clear cut right decision to make with the number one pick. You know, he, he's a solid point guard. Uh, he doesn't do any one thing great, but he does everything well. He's a guy that, with Byron Scott being a coach who's thrived with a point young dynamic point guard. That that pick made sense. Uh, after Derek Williams and both e- and Enis Kanter went off the board, it kind of left Cleveland sort of up in the air. Uh, I coming into that point, uh, I, I saw a lot of uh, chatter about uh, Jonas Valanciunas, uh, and that wasn't the pick as we know. It was Tristan Thompson. I, I guess this was kind of a team. Feeling pick, I, I you don't know other way to describe it. He's a, a guy with strong character. Uh, offensively, he's not there, but he's he's a defensive, uh, energy-based guy. Uh, you don't have to worry a buyout like Jonas Valanciunas. Uh, he has a higher floor than say a uh, Bismack Biombo. So it, it's it's a solid pick. He's gonna probably be a rotation player. And with the fact that there were really only two big names in this draft to get a solid rotation player at four, isn't a bad thing. But it's not the the star power of a Jeff, I, I guess Jeff Green, or, or some of these other picks that, that happened in the past as a, a team's second lottery pick.
0: Yeah, my, you know, I, I made my feelings known at the time. I really kind of felt like. I really kind of felt like Tristan Thompson was an underrated player coming into this draft. A lot of the pundits had him sitting around for, you know, number 13, number 14, even sometimes as high as 17 or 20 on some di- some different people's draft boards. I thought that that was severely underrating um, the, the talent and the potential that Tristan Thompson Thomas has. But um, I, I I feel like on the other side of that number four was way overreaching for the value that you got at that pick. And, um, I, I like the player. I like him as a Cavalier. I don't like him as a number four pick. And, and I said it then and I'll say it now. I really think that there would have been some safety and some, some, uh, wisdom in, looking at dealing back in the draft and looking at picking up with Tristan Thompson with a, uh, you know, a number 10 pick that we know was for sale because it got traded just a few picks later. You know, maybe you could trade back, get some added value for that pick, get they were, Tristan Thompson the guy you want anyways.
1: Leading up to the draft, you were they, they were talked about as one of the most aggressive teams looking for, for trades and, and extra draft picks. Uh, it, it didn't happen, but that, that, the pick that we talk about, the, the Bucs, the bobcats and the in the kings deal was agreed upon in principle before the start of the draft so it, it it's tough to move when right there into the spots that you were looking to move seven and possibly ten Everything's thrown pretty much thrown in your face because of what happened before you know before the draft uh, also uh there was speculation where I, I saw that the Cavs were going to draft possibly Thompson for someone else if Valanciunas dropped to, say, the Washington Wizards or the uh, Charlotte Bobcats and, and do a swap for, you know, two first-round picks. But with Toronto actually, I won't say jumping the gun, but, but taking uh, Valanciunas right after the Cavs, that could have also put a damper on it. But I, I agree. I, I think Thompson's an all-right pick, but the four might, might have been a little bit of a reach.
0: Yeah, and and I think uh, I think that I think that you're definitely right. I think you know if the Cavs had been looking to move that pick a little bit more aggressively prior to the draft, I think they probably would have had a better shot of dropping down and getting Tristan Thompson later on. But I think the problem that they ran into is they were standing pat at the number four, fully expecting that Enos Kanter would fall to them, and uh, Utah kind of kind of shocked some people with their selection of Brandon Knight and. I'm sorry, with their selection of Enos Cantor over Brandon Knight. A lot of people had Brandon Knight going in that number three spot. And uh, that that messed, I think, with the Cleveland management team as well, and they were left scrambling for um, what, in my opinion, was Tristan Thompson, a player that they had probably planned on drafting if they were able to move back, and they liked him for that specific reason. And when it came to the point where the other guy that they wanted to take wasn't available, they kind of just went with their gut feeling i guess it's the only it's the only explanation i have so uh you know that being said uh, obviously you know we could sit here and debate the those two particular players for a long time but i think until we see what happens uh you know a couple of years down the road we're not going to know whether they stretch too much for them or not but you know going on the going on the concept of, of first impressions what other teams in the draft do you think made out well what teams do you think kind of bombed and choked in in uh typical NBA draft fashion?
1: Well, I, I think Washington re- did really well uh, picking up Vasily, a uh, little bit more of a banger power forward, uh, and then also picking up Chris Singleton late in, mid to late first rounds you have two guys who, who who can theoretically come in and and, and help right away uh, i think charlotte if you look based on potential uh kemba walker getting thrown in there with uh Beast Mac bimbo uh might kind of have, have probably the names to to say that it's a big draft but it'll be how Kemba translates to the NBA and how BMBO adjusts to the NBA. We, if he doesn't reach the supposed Ben Wallace-type platform, being that all-NBA defender, I, I think it, it might have some problems for them. And I, I think the Kings actually kind of lost out on the trade. Sure, they got Jimmer for debt three three picks later, but they also had to take on the contract of John Salmons, who I believe they recently got rid of to begin with. So that seems more like a a lateral move. Yeah,
0: I'd I'd have to agree with those. I kind of felt like the big winners um, from the draft were the uh, Pacers and the Mavericks because in round one both of them selected exactly what they needed from this year's draft which is nobody and in round two they did the same thing and drafted nobody Uh, ultimately i i don't know this this draft that i think is one that if you were able to get out of it wasn't necessarily a bad move unless you were able to get into those top picks because you know you said it earlier where you're you're talking about getting a solid rotation player in the draft and in this year's draft that's an acceptable thing to get with a high to mid first round pick and you know in most drafts that would be a, a if you wasted a 10th pick on a player you're not sure how many minutes you have for in 2003 or 2007 it's a travesty but this year it's kind of like oh well um, just a, a, a real testament to how shallow this draft was but in all seriousness um, I was with you on the. I was with you on the Washington pick. I really liked what they did. The nice thing about Jan Vaselli is not only his ability to play down the post, but he's also an athletic kid who can run up and down the court. And I think as a big guy, it's a rare mix to find somebody who can run and play down low as well as this guy can. And in a situation where he's playing with one of the fastest, most up-tempo point guards in the league, in John Wall, I think that they made a really good decision there. As far as bombs, I, I I shook my head when the New York Knicks draft, as I've done so many years, and Iman Schupert at the number 17 pick, I know that the New York Knicks were in strong need of some defense, and that uh, Schubert, as a, as a player, was a very good defensive in college, and he, he performed very well at uh, South Carolina, but... Yeah, i got, I got to think in that scenario, if I'm the New York Knicks, I'm taking Kenneth Reed all day and all night because he possesses everything that the New York Knicks need, and I think that he has a whole lot more upside than Amon Schubert, and I think that all of the New York Knicks fans in the in the attendance down there in uh, Newark, New Jersey for the draft were pretty much in agreement with me on that one.
1: Uh, yeah, but even if they picked a, a Kenneth Reed or a, a Chris Singleton, they still probably would have been booing because it's the New York fans uh <laughs> I uh, it's kind of puzzling I know coming into the draft uh some people called Schubert a uh the sleeper but more of a, a late round guy not not a mid-round you know almost late lottery type pick like the the Knicks had so uh was kind of shocked there I think so uh, uh the slipping of Jordan Hamilton was also kind of a surprise. Um, did
0: you hear? Did you hear his explanation on that? Because that was an interesting story.
1: His coach. His
0: coach. He threw. He 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 kind of threw it out there that that Rick Barnes had badmouthed him as not a team player, uncoachable to the NBA scouts that came asking for him. And to me, there's just a certain amount of of humor in the fact that a player's defense for being quote unquote called uncoachable by his former coach is to throw his former coach under the bus for saying things about him. It's kinda like, wow, do you really think that made your case?
1: <laughs> Sounds good to me. I don't know.
0: Uh anyways, go on. I'm sorry, I interrupted.
1: No, no, that's fine. Uh you know, you you did have uh for me eh, for us being, you know, in, in Cleveland, uh, the thirty-second pick was was kind of kind of shocking, especially since you know usually the second round you can get some talent. I understand why they did it. Uh, Grant came out and said that the evaluations that none of the none of the people that he could possibly picked from would have really made any difference on the roster. Okay, and they're getting possibly two second-round picks from. Or they are getting two second-round picks from Orlando, but if Dwight Howard leaves Orlando, those could be very high second-round picks, which you could see some uh, involvement into future deals. Uh, so, th- th- for me, there's some there's some issue there, and you and you saw a lot of uh, undrafted guys who see, seem like they should have been drafted, you know. Uh, in, in, in past seasons that they might have been but especially with uh, you're seeing a lot of the, the second round picks going to European stash you know candidates so you know Jacob Pullen who we've talked about uh, Ben Hansborough from Notre Dame scotty hopson which is kind of crazy considering all the uh crazy athleticism that he has uh ohio state's own david lighty you know not not he's trying, saying, out,
0: he's trying out for teams by the way he's oh you know football. he is he's been trying out for some teams
1: yeah no which is which is good um that he's that he's getting it in before the lockout hopefully he does get uh picked up uh Caitlin Lucas from Michigan State. Uh, Dimitri McKamey from Illinois. There's Pullen. Jeremy Richmond from Illinois. You know, a phenomenal athlete who unfortunately has some possible uh, (laughs) temperamental issues. So Jamie Skeen, who did really well for VCU. I, I guess I was a little shocked by that. Uh, right. Even Malcolm Thomas from uh, UCLA, who, who who looked like he you know could have been a, a fringe first round pick, so may, maybe it had something to do with, with the fact that the lockout's coming, and uh, you know why why sign someone to a contract when there might not be a season where you can just keep someone over in Europe? Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe you could see some teams, um, especially with Golden State being the fourth team to to, to purchase a D league team maybe you expand it back out into to three rounds and you have that third round you know you just go and funnel them right into your D league team uh it would be interesting to see see what comes of of that in the future i guess
0: yeah i love i love that idea but then again I've, i i've made it well known that i'm i'm strongly in favor of allowing uh, kids to come straight out of high school, but forcing them to play in the D-League. I think the D-League is an underused tool that the NBA has in in order to kind of protect their talent from being exposed before it's ready, first of all, and to protect their owners from paying for high school talent that isn't developed yet. Um, so, uh, hey, expand it out to three. Let's incorporate the D-League a lot more into uh, into the NBA uh, functions and 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 make them a, a full-fledged minor league. But, uh, You know, two last little observations I want to throw out about the NBA draft is um, the uh, best player in college basketball in the city of Cleveland is yet again taking his talents to South Beach, Cleveland State's Norris Cole, of course, was traded for by Miami. I got to wonder, as somebody who's lived in Cleveland for the last four years, how he feels about that. I'm sure you know the the option of playing in the NBA at all and playing along those side of those talents is going to override any other feelings he has about the subject. But just kind of interesting to feel what the what maybe his friends and family are saying about it. And the other thing I wanted to mention was the number 13 pick in the first draft, first round of the draft. The Phoenix Suns took Marquise Morris, of course, the uh, lesser talented of the Morris twins. And I think it's interesting because apparently, apparently. Phoenix Suns have an obsession with taking less talented twin brothers.
1: Yes, they do. They have Blake (laughs) Griffin's younger brother, Taylor, they drafted or or signed. And then they have the uh, Ron Lopez brother as well. Yeah.
0: And and the interesting thing about the Morris things is I I never saw a single person rate Marquise ahead of Marcus. But he got drafted before him. Because Phoenix just couldn't bear to take the better twin. It's just not in their DNA.
1: Well, I I think with this, it kind of makes sense. Um, You know, they have Channing Frye down there. They have Marcin Cortad. They have uh, Hakeem Warwick. Uh, When I think of two out of those three, I don't don't think of a banger. And Marquise is a little bit more of an interior guy than Marcus is. So it, it seems to make sense out in Phoenix. We'll see if it actually Maybe. works out the way they, they think it might. But I, I, don't, I don't think it's a, a horrible one of the lesser twins to go with.
0: No, but I got to say, I think the Rockets were extremely happy with it. Yeah. Sitting at, the number, sitting at the number 14 spot, able to pick up Marcus Morris, which I think at 14, I think Marcus Morris is an absolute steal. Good pick for them. Good pick for the Rockets so um you know it's 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 at our duty occasionally to uh to discuss the goings-on of major league baseball and i guess with the summer getting close and and getting i shouldn't say getting close but the summer getting into full swing we're gonna have to get used to it so uh i want to i want to kind of talk a little bit about what i thought was quite possibly the most interesting story i saw this week in all of sports and that was jim riggleman the uh, the manager for the Washington Nationals at the end of a series of games where his team had won eleven out of twelve games, uh, seemingly riding as high as they possibly could with the players they had in uniform, he up and quits his job, just walks out on it, and I think this is awesome. I think it's great. Jim Riggleman was not happy with his contract negotiation situation. The team had opted to not pick up his uh, uh, next year of his contract. Riggleman had been in talks with him trying to work out a contract arrangement that would keep him there long term. He said to his boss before the game that he was, if he didn't have his contract situation figured out today, that he was going to quit. And when the game was over, they won one to nothing. He walked up and said, "I'll see you guys later. I'm out of here," and it's absolutely brilliant. I, I I wonder how many people across America who have crappy jobs that they can't stand showing up for work for on a daily basis absolutely just dream about that kind of uh, that kind of a walkout scenario.
1: Yeah, it, 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 in that sense, it it's one of those gallant hurrahs. But when you think about it, I I understand that he he, he wasn't happy. Uh, it, it's better for the organization for him to step down. Uh, if it wasn't part of you know for them being a, in a part of a winning streak, he, he might not have gotten the news that that it might have. But I, I know Riggleman's an older older coach. He probably won't get another job because who's going to hire a coach that's just going to quit in halfway through the season, uh, especially since it's not like they weren't winning. I, c- I could understand if they were losing and he's just like, hey, you know, my players aren't interacting with me the way they need to be. You know, I've lost all control. This is just odd. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it it, it kind of parallels a little bit uh, with the Jack McKeon thing in in Florida. You're starting to see some of these these older coaches. Uh, I guess more recently, right now, uh, they they tend to start a season, but they're getting to the point where. They get distracted. The uh, something happens, and, and they change their mind and sort of bail on on the season. Uh, I, I guess I don't want to be that harsh, but that that seems to be the w- the way it's going. So uh, I guess it's going to come out to if some of these other uh, coaches w- want to you know go further into their careers. These coaches that are having problems right now might. Be hurting them in in some instance.
0: Yeah, I don't know that. Um, I I don't know that I necessarily agree on the on the uh, Jim Riggleman unhireable point, and and I'm not knocking you at all, Bob, because I think that uh, I think that it's a sentiment that has been echoed pretty much loud and clear across the league. But I don't know. I I, I think that. I think that there are a lot of people, and I don't necessarily think that this is something that is strictly limited to the uh lower and middle classes, but I think there's a lot of people who uh, have a lot of respect for a person who sticks with their guns and and I think that in 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 a lot of ways it definitely casts a negative light on them but I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of old school just real hard hard line um, moralists who are going to who are going to look at what he's done and 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 uh, be willing to take a chance on a guy because they know that he's going to give him hard work dedication and that he's going to just expect that he gets the same kind of respect in return and I think that's what we've got in this scenario. I mean, I'm not going to guarantee he gets another job, but I wouldn't be surprised either. I'll put it that way.
1: Well, no, you know, honestly, it, it, <laughs> this is the same uh, sport where. The Marlins fired Coach of the Year Joe Girardi because of you know issues with uh, management and, and ownership. So I I don't think that he he he's out of it. You know he he's kind of jumped around the league uh, in general. Someone will probably you know possibly take a chance with him. I I, I think it, it just right now it, it's it, he might not be seen in the best light. I guess.
0: No, it'll be it'll be a year or two. I'm sure. Yeah well I, I to be fair um he's actually already he's actually already found work um, ESPN. but that again is uh, no Comcast SportsNet um he's actually doing pregame and post-game analysis um, for for Comcast SportsNet at nice. least uh, he did for the Cubs White Sox series um, this past weekend so uh he may still be there he may not be there but uh well, I just uh w- I wish the best of luck to Jim Rogelman because uh, I think that I think that uh he is the voice of a of a lot of people across America who just wish they could, you know, work up the gall to do what he did. Um so uh, yeah, good for him. And uh I don't know, I always wonder if there was there was maybe that like you know, the the iconic like who's coming with me kind of a chant and then like everybody's just kinda like, you know, not me, sorry, sticking around. Yeah, I like I <laughs> I, I, I think like I think like everybody who's ever actually quit a job is has has kind of had that feeling like you know man if I quit I'm taking them all with me and and you know of course they never actually go so I I'd be, I'd be just kind of interested to see if Jim Riggleman you know tried to pull the old uh, let's say everybody to walk out just kind of got left there by himself I again
1: I again I I think if it, if it, if the team would have been. A- if the Nationals would have been what the Nationals have been the past few years, you, you might have had you know that hey hey we're gonna we're gonna go with the, the manager, but they're playing good ball down there. You know it, it's solid. It's it, it, they're playing in the the NL East, which is super competitive, um, and they're and they're over five hundred. Are they? They're over. Although,
0: 500. Uh, they're right at five hundred. Five hundred. Uh, they have. They have lost three out of their last four, so um, the uh, the the annexation of or I'm sorry, the not the annexation, the exodus. The, the exodus. There you go. The exodus of Jim Riggleman. I don't know is a, is necessarily working in their favor. And going back to my point, where I think that Jim Riggleman is still hireable. If they struggle from this point on in the season, geez, I think bringing Jim Riggleman into your organization is a no brainer as long as you're confident they're going to be able to treat him right.
1: Yeah, and 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 that's a fun thing is that ownership, you know, we'll probably look at that as, as a possible, you know, point. Uh us here in Cleveland, we're we're seeing the uh the good side of Manny Acta where, you know, he he was with the Nationals where when they were completely bereft of any talent. Uh, and and it was tough to, you know, win let alone get to 500. Uh and he's done decently well up up in Cleveland and Cleveland still isn't that great of, uh, of an overall roster talent as some of these other teams, uh, which kind of has made them a surprise. So, you know, given, given a chance, uh, second, maybe even third chance in, in the right situation, uh, you know, a, a manager has, has a chance to su- succeed.
2: Well, guys, I think that's a to about a wrap up for this week. Um... Well, this has been Sports On Point. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send us your suggestions on how we can improve the show in your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll have plenty of other good stuff for you. But uh, most importantly, I'm going to be recording the entire show next week while planking.
2: Chicken planking! Yay!
1: I'm going to be recording the show while out in California?
2: I'm going to be recording the show in my underwear.
1: I did that one last week. Next.
2: I do that every week,
0: but then again, I'm wearing a lot of other clothes in addition to my underwear, too, so...